I, I think the poet or the filmmaker or the musician, the poet must not avert his eyes. You must not avert your eyes. This is what is coming at us. that won't stop moving to the funky, funky beat. I'm Paul Salt. I'm Paul Goodman. But we Pauls are a couple of people short of a 90s Brit-dance-pop combo. So our manager contrived a meeting between us and the good folks at You Know What I Like podcast. Hi guys, please introduce yourselves and your podcast. Hi, Hi. I'm Mark. Oh, Hi, I'm Sophie. (laughs) Sorry, I got too overexcited, I went for it. You're just like, yes, us, yeah. <laughs> the pop game's a ruthless world. You've got to just take it when it comes. Just go for it. <laughs> um, you know what I like is a monthly podcast where we just talk about all the stuff we like. We take it in turns to pick topics and then we flail at you about all the things we love about it and are attempting to convince the other person to love about it too. Yeah, like sometimes it works, but like sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's just like um, one person like flailing at the other and the other being like, nah, <laughs> I don't get it. I'm sorry. Oh man, it's it's really cool that you guys have that sort of monthly release schedule because it really, it feels like you are able to spend that time sort of really getting into the subject and, you know, interrogating it and getting to the heart of the thing. Which uh, is a luxury we don't have. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the only reason I don't do research. <laughs> no time. Definitely. Definitely. Oh, if only I could spend hours thinking about oh. it. Seven. <laughs> Today we're going to be uh, talking about Seeing Double, uh, the first and last feature film of popular, dancular, bandular group S Club, formerly S Club 7. This was after Paul left to join a metal band. Because of John. What is the S Club? Yeah, come on. You mean you haven't heard? They're only the hottest pop group in the world. And now they're coming to America in their very own. The film was directed by Nigel Dick, written by Kim Fuller, the writer of the frankly much better Spice World the movie. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, I can myself for a moment there. No talking on this know. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's not allowed. I didn't even realise that you had said something because I assume that every time I say the word Spice World the movie, the universe responds. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Critics reacted to this like they've never had a dream come true. <laughs> Jane Howdle. Howdle. That's a fun word. Jane Howdle. Sorry, just every so often I get entertained by the names of actual people. Jane Howdle over at Empire said, Seeing Double is absolute nonsense, of course. And in real terms, it's a terrible film. I don't know if you guys remember in real terms. It was very much the literally of its day. (laughs) Uh, Neil Smith over at BBC Home said, On the plus side, Scatty Hanna, S-Club's answer to Baby Spice, has terrific comic timing. While Rachel Stevens really is sex on legs. But dumb blonde John is boy band blandness personified, while chubby Essex girl Joe looks like (laughs) she's eaten too many S-Club sandwiches. Awful human being, Neil Smith there. What was that? Just uh, writing for Hateful Magazine. God. (laughs) That was so gross, I couldn't believe it when I read that. Like, it just kept going, like, like, I'm just kept getting (laughs) worse with every single one. No, 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 (laughs) no. 
I wish I was in the film groping Rachel Stevens. That would have been great. <laughs> Says Neil Smith. Yeah. I feel like he came up with the pun S Club Sandwiches and was like, oh, I've got to use it, but it will involve being hateful. Oh, I'll do oh. it. Oh, but they, they didn't get around to it in the movie, did they? They actually wasted a perfectly good S Club Sandwiches joke. <laughs> If only it had occurred. Did you see they ordered they ordered club sandwiches and they nobody said S club sandwiches. I did not notice that. Did ah. they? Yes. Oh, wow. That was the only thing I remember. <laughs> <laughs> That's my contribution. Bye, everyone. It's you three now. <laughs> <laughs> the public also brought it all back. Their lunch, that is. Ho <laughs> oh. ho um, ho. Oh me. Michael Abbott, writing for Amazon UK said, you have to trust me as one sane person to another. Never trust any thing that starts this way. <laughs> um, do not even think about seeing this film. The people who call themselves stars are more like moles. What? <laughs> as in like the animal. <laughs> are moles a bad thing to be? Spies. <laughs> uh, their performances are total rubbish. The special features are also a waste of space. So he hated the film. <laughs> but obviously you Gotta check out those special feats. Um, do you think it's on Blu-ray? <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> Director's commentary: him and uh, N- N- Nigel Dick and Francis Ford Coppola just really shooting the shit, really getting down to the nitty gritty. <laughs> Criterion edition release. <laughs> so, Paul, Mark, and Sophie, you three and a million. Yeah. Uh, hello, yeah. hello. What's one thing about seeing Double that had you seeing a movie that's good? I ran out of extra songs <laughs> that had that had us. Unable to stop moving. Well, I mean, obviously the grope was fantastic. Big oh, fan of yeah. big fan of that real that real un- uneasy feeling. Three minutes into, I know, the movie. like it's yeah. so funny when you see someone be groped, isn't it? Like it's just like the best thing that you've ever seen. Like you just like laugh every oh. time. What's really funny about it is that Rachel looks really uncomfortable and like looks around unsure of everything, and then it's just oh. never mentioned again. Random. Oh, women, eh? <laughs> yeah, no, that was gross. That was awful. Yeah, it was yeah. really horrible. It was yeah. right up front. <laughs> yeah. This is a PG, everyone. There was, there was a lot of a lot of uh, sexy ribald chit chat in yeah, this film, and, and, and references about penises <laughs> and the like. It was a very strange tone. Like you're in like it's yes. like PG like band film, and then it's just like, oh no, someone's just pulled a vibrator out of their bag. Lol. Jesus Christ! There was a vibrating egg in yeah. this movie. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, that everyone, that sounds crazy. Um, Mark and Sophie, can you take us Pauls through the epic that is seeing double? We, we can. We came prepared. Yes, we because did. Because last time you guys had guests, they wrote you a song. And we felt some pressure <laughs> to do something, but thought that maybe singing might be something that we would all appreciate us not doing. Yes, absolutely. So... <laughs> yeah, we took a poll, took a vote. Decided... Everyone voted no. Yeah, everyone said no. So instead, we have a mediocre rhyming couplet poem to summarise the film. Holy living Bradley. Fucking <laughs> Holy pink vibrators. <laughs> Holy pink vibrators, Batman. Let's hear it. I, I, I have never anticipated anything more than this. It's very short. Okay. The entertainment world's in trouble. Clones abound and S-Club's double. (laughs) Who'd have thought a simple tour could end up being so much more? The songs are catchy, but some jokes perplex. And let's not mention the dodgy clone sex. There's jailbreaks and puppets, plus a fair bit of heart. It'll take more than a creepy scientist to tear this team apart. (laughs) There's nothing for it. The club must sneak to save the world to Eagle's Peak. 
Against Victor, do our heroes stand a chance? They'll surprise us all with the power of dance. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> that's amazing. That's <laughs> literally the entire film as well. <laughs> the, the film didn't have that much going on, really, did it? There was no. Um, to just to pop it into prose, just for a second, there was uh, S Club Seven, an evil scientist created clone S Club Seven. Of them. Yeah, um, S Clone Seven. S Clone Seven is very good. Thank you. Are they still seven or There's are they six? six? I, I lost count. Minus, minus yep. Paul. Minus Paul. <laughs> Only halfway through watching the film did I remember that there was a sixth, like a, another guy. Because um, <laughs> yeah, I remember him too. doing like a, a yeah. dance move with his hair. Like he put his hands through his hair and then did like a little, ah, <laughs> ah, you know, like all the boy bands do. They do one of those ah, things. Um, and then I had to, I went online and looked at all the videos with Nell and um, made her watch about seven. <laughs> Just, um, just, gonna, just googling prove it. there was a Paul, but yeah. <laughs> so they have they have they have the six, and um, they they take over. Then they prove they show the world, or they show everyone that they're the real Escape Seven, and that, that's yeah. it. There's a dance off with not very good dancing, <laughs> <laughs> and just literally no one could tell the difference between S Clone Seven and S Club Seven. Yeah, <laughs> until the belly buttons are revealed, it's the only thing that differentiates them. <laughs> Well, do you know what I found is that um, they were a lot sexier, the, ro- the clones, when they were doing their dancing. You mean that awkward way they kind of moved their shoulders about? With precision. <laughs> ah, yes. you find precision to be the most erotic of dance. <laughs> like, um, but what was weird, though, is that they kept kept like making it clear that these clones were very, very childish in, in their mindset and, yes. and their worldview. Yeah. And then being like, but they're sexy too, right? And I'm a bit just like, not really. <laughs> I recently watched something about this trope that uh, the guy over at uh, Pop Culture Detective is trying to coin the term, uh, born sexy yesterday. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it's this really weird thing, the idea that, you know, you see it in things like um, Tron or Fifth Element. It's this idea mm. that it's new, a new being who doesn't understand how sexy they are and that it's not appropriate to get naked and stuff and men all gawk over them and sort of mm. think it's great mm. because for some reason men like naivety and the idea of Rachel Stevens just hopping in the shower with you not realising what's going on is erotic. I don't know. What were you doing? A small shower but we can all fit. Alright well then you wash my back and then Rachel I'll wash your back. And after that, we could turn around and do the same again. It's very weird. Yeah. It's very weird. And there's a constant need to sexualize. First of all, to sexualize a bunch of clones who don't know any better, which is creepy. Secondly, a need to sexualize S Club 7, which feels weird. <laughs> Fortunately, um, all of that sexiness stopped the second that another man got in the shower. I know. Bradley oh, God. Was, and Bradley was rightly, just, justly disgusted. He was... <laughs> Can you imagine? Fucking mind. Great. Now pass me the looper. Oh, what are you doing? You want to get out? What are you doing in here, man? Ah, oh, that's sick. Man. <laughs> yeah, it just made for some really horrible extremes, didn't it? Yeah, I was also really horrified to see that Bradley, for some reason, showers with his bandana on <laughs> <laughs> and oh. his gold chain on too. <laughs> it's just I, I can be naked, but can't lose my bling. Oh, Bradley in a sweaty do-rag. That was the through line of this. It's just that Bradley is so desperately overcompensating in terms... Of, he's really insecure, you know? He's yeah. got issues with masculinity and, you know, stuff his dad told him. And so he's putting up this front throughout the whole thing. It was very nuanced. I don't know if you noticed, but um, in the end credits, as it's panning out, as um, Rachel Stevens is apparently talking to Gareth Gates, I really didn't recognise 
Former pop idol star or pop star <laughs> idol. I don't know which one it is. Um, Gareth Gates. I just thought she was talking to some guy and I was like, that's a weird <laughs> this ending. <is> Joker. <laughs> Rachel just got off with someone. Okay, great. <laughs> like, um, I do really like, like, how, like how when films are this like time capsule of, mm. like, of, of the context of a famous person, but don't say yeah. who they are. So when you watch it like twenty years later, you're like, I don't know who that is. Like when anyone goes to see Sex Lies of the Potato Men and Adrian Charles shows up, and that includes like five minutes after the film was made. People are like, what? What was that? <laughs> like the message was a little strange because is it like a satire on pop uh, manufactured bands? The fact that the band members are literally manufactured is this a sort of meta commentary on that? Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I, it's I that clever. Give... Like I don't know. I want to give um, Spice World Lady, um, as she's known hmm. in the ghettos. What, what's her name? Uh, I want to give Kim Fuller the benefit of the doubt because in writing Spice World, she wrote a genuinely subversive and weird film. Mm-hmm. So I want to say maybe she did intend. Maybe. Or maybe the director didn't spot it and just put loads of crap sex jokes in. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird thing. We talked about it a bit when we when we talked about Gem on our podcast, where it's that kind of weird thing where it's this film that's trying to be like questioning like with Gem it was young girl tries to make it big like oh isn't manufactured music business really bad but then it comes from like the big manufactured film industry type thing and it's like is it still an effective message if you are still (laughs) if the thing creating it is the very thing it's railing against like do you have to make it a weird indie thing for it to do the message or can you do it with s club involved Mm -hmm. i don't know I think yeah, there's a history I... of that. I mean, the Beatles always wrote sort of songs about how terrible the music industry is and then released it through <laughs> the music industry. I think mm. there's, a, there's an avenue for that in which you can be sort of... You have to affect a sort of sardonic self-loathing in which you can indulge in the thing but also be, like, too cool for it. Mm. That's Stuart Lee. This film is just like Stuart Lee. The issue is Spice World came out and it was moderately popular. <laughs> that's 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 the, that's the issue. So they 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 wanted another another film. They wanted another film that was like Spice World, and it had the same sort of irreverent um, look at this 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 band with all these silly over the top personalities and a crazy story to get embroiled in. They were definitely going for campy. You know, they were pushing quite strongly for campy. <laughs> you've you've brought to mind a line from the S Club Seven Wikipedia page, which I quite like, in talking about how this may have been formed in the shadow of Spice World. Um, the first sentence of the history of S Club 7 is Simon Fuller has commented that he came upon the concept of S Club 7 the concept of S Club 7 <laughs> the day after he was fired by the Spice Girls in November 1997 <laughs> with the new grant meant as a continuation of the latter so he's not exactly subtle in his influences <laughs> no, I can, no. I can, well, like, it's like how when they invented the Fantastic Four is because mm. one of the editors was over at DC and heard that they'd been doing really well with a book called The Justice League. And they were like, I have an idea. A team of heroes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's like a very like poorly sourced like sense of inspiration where you're like, a, like um, that's not inspiration. That's just stealing someone else's idea. Yeah. I just love the idea mm. of Simon Fuller storming out of the Spice Girls HQ and just be like, well, I'm going to start my own pop band. <laughs> I have Rachel Stevens and, rawr, rawr. and he puts the, the whiskey bottle up to his lips. 
Yeah, I think I think that's it. Somebody somewhere has these these good intentions to write a film in the same vein as, as Spice World, with all of that, the, the campiness and the, the surrealism and the meta aspects all in there. Because there's, there's a lot of it in there, but then it's um, f- f- I mean, for all the good, some of the good dialogue does. The delivery is is pretty pants, except for Hannah. Oh, dear, dear, dear. I thought I thought she really tried, Hannah. She was um, she actually <laughs> now, gave, it, gave it a rule. The kooky one who has occasionally seen up a tree. Yeah, she's, yeah. Um, yeah. She's the millennial's answer to Baby Spice Pool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think um, some of them did deliver their lines slightly less school playish than the others. I, I want to yes. say I quite liked Tina because largely because she didn't have much to do, and it has very little mm-hmm. to do with my childhood crush on her. But um, <laughs> I'm honest, very honest, confused honest, honest. by you saying that. Like um, <laughs> well, I found does... her like very, very stiff. I like Tina. Like, she's, like, trying <laughs> to give her lines like Hannah, but she's doing it worse than Hannah. Because, like, um, um, Hannah is the, like, strange, strange character who says, like, a Cookie random one. funny line every now and then. Yeah. And, like, think... Tina's, like, trying to be that, but she's just know, not I good at like it. I feel like Tina was, like, the sardonic one who would occasionally sort of wander past in the background and offer a quip. Kind of verging on Orby Plaza sort of territory. Really? That's an interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, I barely remember anything that she did because she's not given all that much to do. So, mm. by merit of not committing most of the crimes, I believe she gets off of a lighter sentence. Okay, I think I thought she was a little bit better because most of her scenes were with Joe, and Joe was not good. And I think, <laughs> in comparison to some of Joe's deliveries, I was like, Tina, she's doing great, That's you know? Fair. Yeah. <laughs> Classic straight man, Tina. this was one of those experiences like this this is what the fifth film now that i've i've watched with nell um actually you know living living with somebody who isn't you i'm suddenly like finding myself having to like defend my choices with a whole new person and you know we 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 sat through saving christmas and new year's eve and chappy and, and things like that but this one this was really the one where she you know spent the movie looking at me (laughs) <laughs> really, really like you know reevaluating life choices i think what she knew about you yeah whilst i you know uh persistently gave her like a cheerful thumbs up just to <laughs> and kind of that's what's happening next with the gang <laughs> i made my boyfriend watch this with me and part way through when they get to um They've info- they found the house the clones are in. The- they uh-huh. see the clones performing. They're about to like go and confront the clones. And he just turned around to me and went, is this when they kill them? <laughs> I was like, you are in a different type of movie than what this actually is. That optimist. <laughs> Can we talk about the scientist? Not Terence yes. Stamp. Yes, not Terence Stamp, played by Scottish actor... Sir, I didn't look him up before this podcast. Is he a sir, the actor? <laughs> sir, man from Braveheart. He is not a sir. Okay, it's going to fucking hell, he's falling apart. Oh, fuck me, I keep typing seeing double into Google and getting double vision or diplopia is caused by... <laughs> Why can't Google just intuitively... I've typed S Club 7 related things into this search engine all day long. David Gant, who um, is by no means a three-man, but he is the second cast member of Peter Greenaway's excellent The Draftman's Contract to appear in one of our films. And I think that means something. Oh, wow. Uh, what, do we do with, apparently... what do we do when we get the third? Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> Kill ourselves. Something pretty damn crazy. He was also in Brazil, Braveheart, Messenger, mm-hmm. the Joan of Arc story, which I actually like. Um, we thought he looked a little bit like if you crossed... Um... 
George Carlin with the lead singer of Status Quo. I was thinking about George Carlin a lot yeah. during his stuff. Yeah, just like very eerily similar. <laughs> yeah. Just expected him to whack out a guitar, three chord transition, carry on. When he first like pulls up, like, like um at the very beginning, and he's like walking along like singing um S Club Party, I think it is at the time. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm like, I'm just very me in the future. Like, I'm, I am like seeing myself <laughs> in the future. I've got a cave and a mountain. I'm going to climb them. <laughs> Probably you find pop stars underwear online. Yeah. You're ready. There were so many moments in this film where I felt like, what was the audience reaction meant to be? And I feel like maybe some of this was thrown in for the boys who either were dragged along or were too self-conscious to admit why they really came, which is to see the dance numbers. Um <laughs> Consequently, moments where one of them, I forget who, says something like, oh, if I'd known that you could buy our underwear online, I wouldn't have worn any. And I just yeah. expect, like, the boys to be going, oh, hey! Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's a popular nine-year-old saying. Oh, there were a few jokes for the dads, wasn't there? Yeah. The oh, this egg. one's for the dads, everyone. <laughs> oh, here's, here's, here's a scene framed around Hannah's ass. It's for the dads. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you glad you brought your kids? Do you think Zack Snyder was watching this and this like has framed his entire worldview? <laughs> yeah, I see, I see. For everything that happened. Yeah. The world revolves around the ass. <laughs> you say, I'm just picturing now Zack Snyder like standing in the middle of a really grim set, sort of chiseling away at the, the bat suits, so humming to himself, there ain't no party like <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, um... Begr- like begrudgingly almost there ain't no pie like an Eskimo pie I did find the scientists singing of um, what was it that was it S Club Party I think it might have been no it was right, the, like, it... Um, don't stop moving sorry it was don't, the, stop, don't stop moving to another piece of KB <laughs> I did find that kind of haunting don't stop That, that that was actually what at the beginning made me think, oh, this is going to be like Spice World. It's going to be really funny and irreverent, and um, <laughs> it's going to like uh, purposefully jar, and it's going to it's going to be quite interesting. But that, yeah, again, that frittered away. Um, <laughs> it was irreverent. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was that. So <laughs> I wrote down a quotation from very near the beginning which i'm gonna start including in my lexicon which is just they all come off stage and some hanger on guy i assume just turns around to them and goes you are the real tortillas and then leaves <laughs> <laughs> just thought oh like they're in barcelona so i yeah. gonna compare them to a tortilla yeah. oh because he was latin oh <laughs> i spent my life thinking i knew what the tortilla was yeah. Now, <laughs> um, I also imagined an entirely different um, romantic subplot to the film, just because, like, while I was watching it, my brain was like, "Let's just come up with something else." <laughs> um, because I, <laughs> there's the scene where, like, you know, they like the clones. Once they've yeah. decided that the clones are not the enemy, they're like, "Let's let's take them out. Let's show them a fun time. Let's go yeah. to the park." And um, Bradley takes John to the beach, yeah. and then. We have a lovely moment of product placement where they drink Pepsi. Yeah. And John has to learn not to shake the Pepsi too much or he'll get covered in Pepsi. Um, <laughs> and I just imagined an entirely different film whereby Bradley and John, it's the start of their like touching love affair. Yeah. And like, you know, like that's the moment that gets Bradley to stop feeling like he has to live up <laughs> to this masculine ideal and he can just be who he is. And then oh. they like 
frolic around on the beach and uh. just you know like something beautiful could happen well, well like um that's why he reacted so strongly when john came in because like he felt yeah. so right because the feelings are there yeah. the final shot of the film is him taking his necklace off and putting it on the side before he steps into the shower oh man of course and there could have been this whole like this whole like series of scenes where he's rejecting it and he's like no this is sick this is gross i don't want this and then he's he's just fighting his inner demons he's like deeply ingrained homophobia and his like his own personal fears and then he finally comes around to it and they have this beautiful moment on the beach where um john is kind of oh he is cut in such a way that when he's shaking the Pepsi can and it's all spurting over him, it is unfortunately oh a bit weird, isn't it? But then after that, <sighs> then they have this like beautiful denouement where they like they deflower each other on a, on the sunset sunsetted beach. That could have been amazing. <laughs> like fucking moonlight. I was picturing <laughs> moonlight as you were saying that. <laughs> I'm thinking of God's own country. It's just it's it's um, stunning. I'm glad <laughs> I painted but, um... both of those images for you. Um, yeah. Can I can I just say? Can I please just. I really want to hammer home just how gross this film was. There was so much eye fucking that, that when when Rachel was cleaning the window to distract the security guards so they could sneak on set. I couldn't decide what that was because they oh. didn't overtly show her doing like one night at McCool's, you know, sort of suds no. going everywhere. But the but guy was, like, was leering as yeah, if she was, was doing it sexily. He was definitely leering, and he was kind of going for mm, mm, <laughs> like over the over the top of this soap. Just said Jamesing it. Like, but like she wasn't even like dressed in any like specific way. Like it was just like um like um her dressed in overalls, just like like doing the window normally. Yeah, that's all it takes. Look, yeah. If Rachel, if Rachel Stevens came up to your window and started soaping it up, oh, any any red blooded male would feel the same. <laughs> Is that Bradley no, saying that? One of my least favorite Bradley moments is um, like Rachel <laughs> brings him. Like, there's so many. <laughs> He's so much cause of my discomfort while watching this film. It's just Bradley speaking or just being on screen. Um, but Rachel, like, brings him some biscuits and a cup of tea. And then he says, she's housebroken. Ugh. And I recoiled into my body. <laughs> oh, I missed that one. In a way one. I didn't think was possible. <laughs> Gross, mm. I missed that one. Yeah. It's so horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, there was that whole thing at the end of the two of them getting together. Um, Bradley and clone Rachel. And, and yeah. real life Rachel sort of tells him off because it's gross. But I don't feel like the film felt that. I felt that that was just no. Rachel. Yeah. Yeah, what? because the music starts playing and he awkwardly leans in kissing her on the cheek. Like, I yeah. feel like it maybe was in Rachel Stevens' contract that she didn't have to kiss anyone. Did you <laughs> yeah. see the outtake in the credits? Yes. Where, where he, he actually like, slips over the tongue in real life. Well, that's what someone says. I know, but like, um, like from her face. <laughs> Like she's like genuinely like like reacted as though he tried at the very least. Oh my god, mm. he licked her face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right in thinking that um, shortly after the release of this film, S Club broke up? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So speaking of how many of them there are, how did we feel about the attempt to characterize these six pop stars? Like, can you tell me? Can you tell me just based on this film a personality trait of each of the S Clubbers? Bradley was a homophobe. Rach- Bradley's Rachel <laughs> likes to shop. Rachel does like to shop. That was very, very well yeah. observed of the film. Um, Hannah was wacky. Yeah. Yes, that's pretty much the only one that we have down is that Hannah yeah. was the Phoebe of the group. Yeah. Joe was angry um, every now and then. Joe, was. Joe was no nonsense. 
Yeah. <laughs> so she's the one who had massive back pains throughout the production, so couldn't yes. take part in any yeah. of the. Well, like um, that's why, like how when you see her dancing, she's just like standing on a table and just like swaying from side to side very slowly. <laughs> yeah, Does that also spend... explain why she was the only one in in the the music videos just sitting on her own on a step? <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Like um, everyone yeah. else is e- either like doing things in the background or like doing <laughs> dance moves a hundred meters in the distance. There are two characters in the background just dancing around. Yes. <laughs> happening and it's just it's so weird but it was just like why is she sitting on the steps seeing like looking sad have they all like jettisoned joe and they're like <laughs> we've got some clones now fuck you joe i think certain members would have appreciated that yeah, <laughs> um... yeah. Uh, one part of this film that i did kind of love though is ha- mm. like some of the huge like ridiculous like jumps in logic that happened <laughs> so like one example is like when they're trying to question the clones about like what they know on the beach, yeah. and the clones are just like playing with sand idly, and then like when the clones like start to have like a flashback about like where they yeah. came from, and then like it just like cuts to like a fully like realistic like depiction of Eagle Peak, and you're just like, what the hell just happened here? <laughs> like two days passed where they like carved this castle into the sand. <laughs> Oh god, there are some wonderful, uh, weird logic moments. There's a bit where um, they're singing a song in order to escape from prison. They get imprisoned at one point for yeah. impersonating S Club yeah. 7. And early on in the song, Joe, I think it is, just takes the keys off a guy. Right at the very beginning, she's like, <laughs> yeah. guard, come here, give me the keys. <laughs> and he's like, okay. It's like, that's... But the song carries like on and gets more and more intense. <laughs> Can we also talk about the fact that the jail is also like a winery? <laughs> it is a winery as well. <laughs> yeah. That was, was kind of neat. Like, it was weird. I've never seen anything like that before. So it's kind of like a weird science fiction style thing where it's like, <laughs> yes, we force the prisoners to work in the wine pits. What do they like in Spain? Totti isn't wine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what wine are they making as well? I bet it's like Tesco's own brand or something. <laughs> it's not going to be like, mm, break out the prisoner wine. For that jump in logic, uh, where she just walks in and takes the keys off of them, is it because that their plan to to dance their way out of prison backfired when it turned out that nobody in that video could dance. <laughs> <laughs> so they just started. It's like, oh. I'd quite like to just mention the fact that all of the clones look nothing like the people they're supposed to be clones of. Yes. Did you see yeah. the Will Smith... Uh. The, the, like, yes. um, the quote unquote like Will Smith one? I'm like, um, like um, that's yeah. so bad. I feel like it's racist. It was... <laughs> Madonna was just a woman wearing a cowboy hat. Yeah, <laughs> I will say though that Elton John was much less eerie. annoying than the actual Elton John who was in <laughs> Kingsman Two. That's that's very very true. He should have been in all of them. Um, I, I thought that the Michael Jackson one looked pretty good. I felt kind of weird about it. Yeah, for I know several exactly, reasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, but oh, he was also there was also a scene where he was doing he was doing a dance and he was doing something in inside, and then suddenly he's just piloting the fucking helicopter. <laughs> yeah, in the very next scene where um, not Terrence Stamps trying to get away. <laughs> Fine, dance his way into the sky. My boyfriend absolutely lost his shit when like you've got Elton John, you've got Madonna, and then just Groucho Marx was in the background. Yes, <laughs> just like, I don't know. we're gonna get the yeah. teen market with this one. <laughs> just, it seems like, like such an odd choice like we need the real heavy hitters of the 1990s yeah. why does one of my notes just say genuinely sad old man <laughs> is that 
Um, because okay, it might end. not be this bit, but we really laughed because there's like the freeze frame moment at the end. Stuff's happening in the background, but you've got the guy who is like the evil bad guy sat in the police car. And That's you can exactly see what it his is. Face yes. in the car for so long. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. He looked so crestfallen. It's such a weird shot. Yeah, he's just sad. He like, how is... else will we know where he is? We just see the dreams of a clone S Club 7 falling from his eyes. <laughs> Could have gone all so differently. Oh, man. I think we've, we've kind of gone to the heart of the thing, which is that it's occasionally quite fun by merit of how yeah. bad it is, but the performances are terrible. The comedy mostly lands flat, and it's obsessingly weird in places. See, like, yeah. I disagree with you on the comedy, but, like, I feel like I, I'm at a place with this film where I cannot tell anymore if it is good or not because i have just like seen it so many times <laughs> right and it's full of so much like like so much like general nostalgia for me that yeah. i've lost all sense of scale and like like <laughs> i mean quality of this film i can i can i can clear it up for you that it's not a good film okay thank you <laughs> <laughs> Don't, but I, I definitely didn't feel like bad I didn't, I didn't come out of this in in the same way that I did after like episode one or Jack and Jill or anything like that. It was still right. it was still campy and it was still fun for a lot of it. There was just a lot of like I wouldn't be able to watch it with someone else and explain away half of it. It's almost like S Club Seven was a support group on how to survive being in S Club Seven. Mm-hmm. And at its worst, part of me just feels like this was another bit of it, like another another gig they had to do or another press conference they had Mm. to do was appearing in this film but the bits i liked were the bits where i did feel like they were having fun together they when you got somebody who come you know who who comes along from having written spice world and um the other the other guy i think both of them actually um wrote episodes of red dwarf and things like that is that right oh wow and yeah there is this there is this whole message in there about you know the the about the you know the the clones and being allowed to be their real selves and the fact that maybe the cool collected sexy band is the persona and they're all just they're just goofy and all of this mm. but then it is just I, f- I feel like it was written and then rewritten by someone else and this this person right. hasn't been credited with the rewrite because <laughs> it's been it's it's a good a good idea and a message in there that was just yeah buried buried deep in eye fucking mm. so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was my second watching um, I'm sorry so I yeah I watched it the first time with Mark and lots of alcohol was involved which really helped the experience quite a lot oh, um, alcohol hang on let me just write that yeah <laughs> that was what it said on the box <laughs> blackout memory first <laughs> um, I had mixed feelings because every time I felt like I was in a moment where I was like oh actually like maybe it's not that bad there was just another really inappropriate joke which just like jarred me out of it again um it was quite fun watching it i watched it with my boyfriend and made him watch it with me i couldn't and that i tried it was quite fun well it was quite fun because he was just so perplexed by everything that was happening (laughs) that it made it somehow more enjoyable because i wasn't just focusing on the film (laughs) because you could just turn around and be like what is going on? And that was quite useful in making it a more enjoyable experience. <laughs> All right, are we? I, I think that's. Um, I think that's got our thoughts and feelings out there. Shall we quick fire? Quick fire. Cool. Everyone, roll initiative. Um, One. 
I will. <laughs> uh, my first one is from from the very first first like um in the first song when they're showing the montage of them getting on the tour bus, hmm. and there's a moment when um Bradley has fallen asleep and they're all like doing the like drawing on his face thing, and hmm. then like um Hannah like does this like big maniacal face and laugh, and like <laughs> I just found that wonderful. <laughs> I really liked John's dungarees. <laughs> We all like John's dungarees. <laughs> I, thought, I thought he did wore them great. <laughs> a little well. confidence. <laughs> um, I really liked the um color schemes that they gave the the fake fake clone band. Like I liked that like everyone had their own color, and yeah, the beds, and they had like ties or like pajamas or the beds or everything, but they each had their own unique color. Um, I liked the moment where they read the description they were given of where they'd be staying as attractive sea view property with an alfresco dining area. And then the camera pans around and it's just a caravan with a table outside because I felt like that was quite accurate to life. There was one, um, you know, that scene where John, for some reason, just goes to piss on a, like a national monument in the middle of (laughs) Barcelona. There's... Because oh, yeah. he, need, he needs to go to the toilet, so he's just going to go and piss on a thing in Spain. <laughs> and um, but there's but there's a brilliant reveal where it sort of pans to the left, and a few young fans just like pounce on him. Yeah. It's a very it's a very good pan to the left from the camera um, for <laughs> for comedic purposes. Oh Christ! I really like. There's a moment of um, where the police accost uh, Scrubs and. Um... <laughs> And the pan over to them and the reveal of the Spanish police is very Wes Anderson. They're all in uniforms, they're very symmetrical. Speaking in monotone. Speaking in monotone. The kinks are playing over the top. (laughs) (laughs) It was very Wes Anderson and I enjoyed that. When the band has been captured and they're like um and they're getting the 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 villain monologue from Mm. from the villain. And they're all like tied on this like spinning like tabletop. And like it means that they each get like a like each get like a turn to speak, but they have to like rotate the thing first. And like I just found that like a very funny setup. Like four hanging from the chains at the beginning of Ragnarok. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> cool, neat. I liked the strange choice of like a Greco Roman music video vibe. Yeah. Had... <laughs> I wrote that. Like... like what am I misremembering nineties pop videos? I don't or think early <laughs> <laughs> it was very strange. It was out of ideas. Music videos are like that. They're always like in a disco or something. <laughs> like, but no, now we've gone back to antiquity <laughs> for their song. This is Sparta. <laughs> <laughs> this is Sparta. <laughs> Everybody's fighting. Shake your booty harder. <laughs> Shit! Um, now we could be S Club. Oh, it's easy. <laughs> It's that easy, everyone. Let's do it. When they're breaking into um, the house with the clones in it, they all have code names. Um, and Hannah, I think, is up a tree and says, I want to be Mr. Black. And they say, you can't be Mr. Black. That name's already taken. And she's like, by who? And it cuts to Bradley. And yeah. immediately I think, I wonder if they're going to subvert this. And they kind of do, but the timing isn't quite good enough. Yeah. He reveals his name. What, what's his bloody code name? Um, Big Pants. Um, yeah, Big Pants. Yeah. Oh my god! So and that and then that also puts stink on the subversion of the joke. Like if he had been, I don't know, Pussy Willow or yeah. Leaping Frog, something, it would have been like, oh, that's cute. And then you could have cut to like, I don't know who would be the funniest member of the band to be Mr. Black. I feel like it would be Hannah. And it would be Hannah. Yeah. Of, yeah, yeah, it would be. Yeah. Oh, well. I was so relieved that Mr. that Bradley wasn't Mr. Black. Oh yeah, entirely. Yeah. <laughs> my god. <laughs> 
the relief. Oh. <laughs> and that feeling of relief and not feeling dirty was my good thing there. <laughs> In that same scene, actually, when because like um, Hannah's got this like dog hand puppet. Who she like yeah. randomly like waves in the face of people like uh, yes in the first half of the film, and then she uses it to like tell this like kids story with like a second hand puppet, and she calls them like a uh, Mister Walker and Rafferty, and she's like yeah. telling this like really like banal story about how the dogs like went to the beach, and like yeah. it's like enough of a distraction for these dogs like on uh, these guard <laughs> dogs, the rest of the band can sneak in. And, like, it's just, like, a very, like, simple, charming scene. When they're in the park, I just found it funny that Hannah and Rachel just, like, (laughs) walk up to a random woman who's cycling through the park and somehow get her to dismount. (laughs) And then they're just like, let's learn to ride a bike. And the random woman just stood there watching these, like, childlike adults learn to ride her own bike. I just found that funny. Um, And, like, I liked the at the end when one of them gets, like, mad at the bike and, like, chucks it on the ground. Yeah. And you just like imagine that lady going home afterwards and being like, something really fucking weird happened to me today. <laughs> like, you're S Club it. 7 again. Yeah. <laughs> that bike cost me a thousand pounds. I need it for my job as a cy- cyclist, a cycle doctor. <laughs> Actually, from that, um, I mean, I-, I-, I quite like Hannah in this film and her delivery. She's really going for it, but particularly the mm. scene during that wonderful music video when she's attempting the various stages of a hot dog i thought it was really <laughs> yeah. sweet and she's like just squirt like cocktail squirting ketchup all over it and her face like looks like a, an english football hooligan she's kind of going way with a tongue out and, and then she's like failing to eat the hot dog i like the fact she actually took a bite out of the hot dog i imagine that they would sort of have it get you know within an inch of her face and then cut to reveal the yeah. fact that you know the actress was not gonna eat this hot dog but she actually yeah. did she took a bite of it sporting I also like the, the the following scene where they're lying around with like horrendous stomachache. Oh, that's when they reveal the nature of their existence to them. Yeah. <laughs> so like, they're stomach yeah. ache. <laughs> oh, you look. You're not real. You've been made up. You're clones. Get over it. When they're interrogating the clones to find out information, really lovely detail and classic Tina. Tina is in the background shining, using something to reflect light into the clone's eyes. And it's not addressed, and I love things that aren't addressed because they're few and far between in in this film. film. But yeah, she's just like shining a light in their eyes in a classic interrogation technique. When the band get like arrested in in the winery jail, yeah, and they're trying to trying to convince the prison guard that they're the real band, Mm. and he just 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 keeps calling them the S Club, and like I just found (laughs) that really funny for some reason. Like, it's just like an old person being like, the S-Club? Yes. I know the S-Club. Yeah, Yeah, it's like the N-Dubs, isn't it? Yes. um... (laughs) Yeah. I just quite liked the... Tina's like the first one to guess that they're clones. And her immediate thought is just, let's take them clubbing. (laughs) And I just... Priorities, you know? Shopping trip! (laughs) yeah like oh someone's made a clone of me i guess we'll hit the club we must show them this world this beautiful world (laughs) (laughs) this is an ecstasy pill come on guys guys. chase your bliss (laughs) this was the second film you know what i like recommended that um 
broke the fucking speakers that I was watching the film on. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Why? Well, you know, you know how Gem and the Holograms really just yes. wrecked your, your subwoofer? Yes, this. for some reason. I can't say why, but Gem and the Holograms really messed up my surround sound system. What, as in, like, <laughs> yeah. permanently? No, no, no. It just has so much bass okay. that, like, the whole room was creaking and cracking and we were swaying from side to side like a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. This is dodgy territory for me. Um, during one of the gross sou- shower jokes, I did kind of like, and it was that they were, ch- um, some of the clones were showering. I think it's after the gay panic moment with Bradley. Um, and very subtly, Tina just sort of peeks over the top of the wall. <laughs> like, I don't know why this was okay for me, but with with so much leching going on, mm. I guess maybe I was happy that for once it was a woman doing the leching. Uh-huh. But yeah. just the idea that Tina would come and just have a little peek. It didn't feel like it was for sexual reasons as the thing. Like, maybe she was just curious about clone anatomy. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just, I found it charming that she just had a little peek mm-hmm. and she just peeked over from the background. Just enough so you could tell it was Tina. <laughs> nice. I assume it was Tina. Could have just been some rando. It's Gareth Gates. <laughs> he found his way there somehow. <laughs> yeah. He secreted his way on scene. <laughs> Get out of here, Gareth. You know, like in Monsters Inc., there's that one who's like always watching, but like that, but Gareth Gates just everywhere, <laughs> slivers down for the walls. So now, like, um, he's the slug, just yeah, <laughs> just look in the corner. There's Gareth Gates. <laughs> I'm a fucking slug. He shine a light in his eyes and he scampers off. Uh, there's a line when they're trying to to make their final plan to like um get into into the big castle, and they're speaking mm. to the the clones. That, um, of the band like I'm um, trying to work out if they bring them or not mm. and they're trying to convince Bradley that they can come and they're like trying to list off like all these reasons to sum up we're angry we want revenge we're not afraid and we can kill if necessary <gasps> I have that too <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm entirely out okay <laughs> I've got nothing I'm sorry the indoctrination scene was fun where they watched a Clockwork Orange style video in order to oh, yeah, yeah. tell them. And it, it felt weirdly like the sort of routine that the S-Club members would have to go through by the end of their of their career of just, you are Rachel, you enjoy shopping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. I am Rachel. <laughs> At the very beginning, like um, in that talk with the press, where the press mm. are like, um, like saying all of these like really strange things and the band are like sassing back. Yeah, and like you get the like stereotypical like um question that like always gets asked to the women. How many of you girls have had implants? Me. I had a cactus once, um, but I watered it too much, and it died. That's very good. <laughs> um, I liked Suzanne the ninja. Oh I God! We have liked not her latex jumpsuit. We have not mentioned <laughs> Suzanne the ninja Suzanne whatsoever. Ninja. Like, <laughs> I thought she was going to be so much a bigger part of it than what she actually turned out to be. Okay, there was um when there were the there are three of the the normies they infiltrate the clone S clone seven and they're trying to get them to they're like they're saying like you know when do you when do you hang out when do you have time to just chill out and and shoot the breeze and all of this and they're like oh we we don't we just work and we we sing and we practice and we do this seven days a week 24 hours a day and then and then clone tina go she claps and goes great hang and then it's the end of the scene <laughs> and it was uh, that was like that was when tina really shone for me 
That was easily <laughs> her best line and performance, and I think it was because she was fully realised as like a Hannah, a, a clone Hannah clone. Ah. <laughs> I feel like we have gained some appreciation of Tina during the quick fire, but not enough for my liking. And we are going to fucking stay here until... <laughs> until everyone... Everyone says one nice thing about Tina. Go. <laughs> but that was the one good thing about Tina. <laughs> oh, man. The segue into Never Had a Dream Come True really made me laugh. I'm going to check the beach. Oh, I- I've never been to the ocean. All right, well, come with me. When, when they're in the prison, um, the guy in the white suit who turns up and t- like informs them about the prison, Rachel offers him two euros to help them escape. And uh, he says, oh, he can't possibly do that. But he pockets it anyway as he's saying it. It's uh, good. Uh, there's a point at the end when when Victor like realises that the clones are going to rebel. And he says to activate Plan Q. And then Suzanne asks him, um, is Plan two um is plan q to nuke nuke fort knox and destroy the world's economy and he's like no no <laughs> plan q is to destroy the base so so like i like the idea that there's like a bunch of like random <laughs> plans um i quite like the line no no we're fake boobs <laughs> <laughs> which in context i assure you is quite <laughs> it's a payoff to a gag that was set up earlier which uh, uh yeah Good work on that. The dinner that the clones were eating of the like the jelly with the sticks with the tiny little prongs mm. on the top. There was something very Brazil esque <laughs> about that. I've come up with another one. Yes, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Just giving me like some time. All nice. Um, it's it's when they're going uh, when they want to replace the clones and infiltrate the gang. Um, I think it's Tina hits the Hannah clone over the head with a bucket and then just goes. I've always wanted to do that. And then just carries on. Yeah. Just yeah. more love yeah. for Tina. More Tina. There's some, there's more some love for Tina. There. More love for Tina. Thank you. You may leave now. <laughs> the rest of you are staying. Oh, I really like the fact that the big world tour that they're all doing is called the big world tour. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, that was workshopped a few times. Yes. My, my, my final one. My final oh. one is when the clones are describing the cave using the, the sand and uh, all, their, all their things. The camera then goes to Bradley looking on like he couldn't give a bloody fuck what any of them are saying. <laughs> and it's fantastic. All right, my last... Uh, uh, Mark, Sophie, you... I'm so done. <laughs> I have nothing. I have letters of the box that are my favourite letter of the box, that I can tell you. <laughs> um, I do have another one. Like, um, oh my God. When okay. they're trying to fly to LA to, to get uh-huh. to where the clones are, that I can. There are mm. some guards who are like trying to find them at the airport, and at this point, like I think, all they're wanted for is for not paying a hotel bill, and for like impersonating <laughs> a pop band. And yeah. the sign that these guards are holding says "Wanted, Dead or Alive" on. I'm like, this is a bit <laughs> extreme. <laughs> like, surely it's alive at this point. Wonderful. Well, my last good thing in, entirely revolves around some of the lines that the scary professor had um, because he's so straight-faced that it's pretty wonderful in places. At one point, he picks up a phone and just says, yes, S-Club have done what? (laughs) (laughs) Another point, um, someone asks him, so are you the man who bought the knickers on the internet? He says, yes. (laughs) (laughs) What of it? (laughs) Um... 
And then another point, I've, I can't remember the context, I've just written DNA. So I started collecting their DNA. <laughs> I know that bit, yeah. Right, I think that's the quick fire, the quick fire round oh, yeah. done. So now let's talk about the one better thing. The one better thing. Um, my one better thing is the film version of Josie and the Pussycats. Ooh. <laughs> because um, I feel like it's a similar thing where it's focusing on a band and the music industry, except for this time it's like the music, well, it's Alan Cumming who's the villain, which is automatically a step up. Nice. Um, and I th- I think it just does mm. a slightly better job of being like a wacky, funny film about a band trying to make it and dealing with success and stuff. Cool. Um, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> cool. That sounds neat. My one better thing link is a bit tenuous. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we like. So like, I was thinking clones, and then I thought, like, what film do I like that is better? That has clones in it. So I've chosen Resident Evil Afterlife. (laughs) And it's like the fourth one in the franchise. But it's got this like really fantastic first scene. Where you've got like a bunch of clones of Alice. And it's just like 10 minutes of watching them be badass and destroy this huge facility. Yes, because Extinction ends with her finding yeah. the clones, right? And, and then, they, they, then the writers them out, were like, and shit, it's like... we hate the clones. We have to kill all the clones immediately. <laughs> <laughs> we can't create drama out of an army of exactly. Miliovovich clones. So then they like have this like amazing action scene that I saw in 3D and it was great. <laughs> oh my god. Because like, things fly at the screen. It's wonderful. <laughs> I will be going the music route with Rob, the mm. Rob Reiner mockumentary. This is Spinal Tap. It's a send-up of straight-faced rock documentaries, um, as opposed to being a straight fictional narrative about a band like Seeing Double. But it's a more interesting look at how bands are idolised and, frankly, overblown. And uh, it's just great because it's several hours of ad-lib footage recorded, then painstakingly edited, much like this podcast. And it's wonderfully silly, as well as being very clever and cheeky. Hits all the marks, whilst S-Club feels like a half-baked version of all of this. <laughs> See how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my one is so different from all of these. I mean, the obvious thing to do would be to recommend a Hard Day's Night, which is the um, sort of excellent comedy documentary film starring the biggest band ever. That surely all of these films are trying to be. All of the ones that take a pop band and put them in a movie. It's all trying to recreate the, ex- the success of a Hard Day's Night back in the sixties. But instead, <laughs> I'm going to recommend. <laughs> I'm going to go from the best mockumentary ever made to arguably the best rockumentary ever made. Um, and it's about popular music and it's Dark Side, which is tantalizingly teased in Seeing Double. Um, it's Gimme Shelter from 1970, and it's about the climax of the Rolling Stones' 1969 US tour, uh, culminating in the infamous Altamont Free concert that was attended by 300,000 people, many of whom were on dangerous amounts of LSD and uh, marijuana, <laughs> Uh, with security provided by the Hells Angels biker gang, armed with pool cues and knives. Uh, mm. It went perfectly. That's why it's infamous, because it went too well. <laughs> um, not only is it one of the best concert movies ever made, really capturing the stones um, at the height of their powers, but it's this incredibly discomforting and extraordinary account of one of the biggest disasters ever to happen in popular music. It's unbelievable that that footage exists, and that it isn't more famous than it is, of Mick Jagger just screaming at a bunch of gangs of um bikers who are fighting with hippies trying to appeal for calm um 
it's an amazing documentary that really captured the volatility of the time and wasn't afraid to show the dark side of the band and of celebrity culture. Yeah, it's fascinating and terrifying, kind of like seeing Double, but in a much more satisfying way. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Mark. (laughs) The one better thing. Thank you for listening to One Good Thing. Uh, How can our dear listeners find out more about you know what I like. On on Twitter, at um, YKWIL podcast. So just like spell out the name of the podcast. <laughs> it's a very catchy way <laughs> of doing it. I like uh, it. Um, and we're on Facebook um, at, at YKWIL podcast. Or, or YKWIL podcast. At the beginning of March, which is apparently like a long time after this will be up. Um, <laughs> Paul, Paul Salt, you joined us to talk about the film The Dark Crystal. I absolutely did, and like um like uh, like um that will be up at the beginning of March. But for the month of February, we're gonna be doing a Greek mythology interactive quiz that Sophie wrote. Oh my god, we are! I'm invited to that. <laughs> <laughs> like um, I, mean... I drank like a bottle of wine as prep. Like like because like, um, like I Greeks. couldn't do any prep for it, so like I just like I'm drank a bottle of wine. That's how Aristotle prepared for everything. <laughs> yeah, you're just getting in the zone. <laughs> like um, that's I think how Paul Casimir episode... prepared for everything as well. That's why. Not <laughs> yeah. That's why he's ended up auctioning off his Brit Award. Yeah, oh. twice. <laughs> twice. Why did he, he was... buy it the first time? <laughs> I I read an article saying that he was so pleased with how the first one sold that he put another one up. Oh my god! Wow. How many does he have? How many Brit Awards did we as a nation? It didn't reach the price he wanted, so he took it down. Uh-huh. Oh. Maybe it's all a lie. Maybe he didn't win a Brit Award. <laughs> Someone's Googling it. Like, wait a minute. Um, yeah, we, well, f- listeners, you must go listen to uh, You Know What I Like podcast because it's really fun. And Thank you. Yeah, you guys are just a lot of fun to listen to. Um, yeah, same to you. <laughs> uh, Paul, how can our listeners find out about the rubbish old podcasts that they've already listened to? Oh, the usual ways. <laughs> Google it. Facebook at OGT Pods, uh, OGT Pod at gmail.com. Send an email. Rate us, review us, tell us, tell us that you like us. Please, please. Um, <laughs> we spread live the word. Yeah, we literally, literally subsist on the kind words of others. How? Find out next week. <laughs> reveal the secret of our longevity. <laughs> our shaman ways. <laughs> uh, I'm Paul Salt. I'm Paul Goodman. I'm Mark. I'm Sophie. And remember, the one good thing about seeing Double is the inexplicably and exhaustingly long list of good things that we managed to find about it. <laughs> um, is it not Tina? And also Tina.